Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. Uh, Manscaped is an incredible company that helps men uh, be all that they can be below the belt. Uh, It's so important to take care of what's going on down there. And there's no better way to do that than by using Manscaped's products. Um, Everybody at DNVR, well, all of the men at DNVR have been hooked on the Manscaped products. And, you know, we, we got a package. We got the Perfect Package 3.0, which is an incredible name. and includes the lawnmower and the crop preserver and a bunch of other stuff that I've been telling you guys about for so long. But now we're kind of getting to the point where we're starting to run low, which is actually kind of crazy because you guys remember how long we've been talking up Manscaped. It's been months and months and months. And that one package, <laughs> the fact that they named that the Perfect Package is just so good. But... The fact that this is all just kind of starting to run out now and everybody's talking about like getting uh, more crop preserver, getting more of this other stuff uh, is actually kind of crazy. But the point is we all are getting more because we need more. Um, it, It really is irreplaceable. You know, having deodorant to throw down there is just so nice. It makes your day, especially in the summer, so much easier. It's just one more thing that can't go wrong you know there's so many different parts like for me like i'm out of coffee or my laptop is having issues or the zoom call audio isn't working or i'm getting like a text for a call from like a source where i'm trying to get worked you know all the different things that can kind of like flare up and kind of change your day one of those is having a smelly crotch and that is no longer a problem Um, And I really cannot stress how much better that makes my life. Um, Not that like I had issues myself beforehand. I think that I was probably pretty standard. I mean, we don't, I guess I haven't had too many conversations about that, but it just makes my day so much easier and uh, it can make your day easier too. So go to manscaped.com, check out all of their products, including that perfect package 3.0. And then if you decide that you want something, which I really recommend that you should, uh, you should uh, use the code DNVR20 to save 20% and get yourself free shipping. It's a great deal. Check them out. Supporting them is supporting us. So before we get into uh, buff stuff today, and there's plenty to get into, uh, mostly John Rothstein saying that the Buffs basketball team is the seventh best in the Pac-12. That's wrong, and we're going to talk about why that's wrong. And some of you have also chimed in 
uh, to tell me why that's wrong, and we'll be sharing some of your answers too. But again, before that, I realized just uh, yesterday that um, oh, July 22nd, I guess, was the one-year anniversary of, well, I guess BSN Denver at the time, bringing back BSN Buffs, um, which was when this podcast got started um, with me getting my first, I mean, I guess technically my first full-time reporter job um, and, and my first time covering college sport. Well, I guess I like covered Montana football and women's basketball, but it's different. You know, I, I was talking to RK about this recently, and I remember before I actually started doing the podcast, like in those, that month or so leading up to the launch or relaunch, I guess, of BSN Buffs after it taken a year or two off, I, I knew nothing about the Pac-12 or CU or honestly just college sports in general, how recruiting worked, any of that. Um, and, and so it really was just like this crash course on everything. I remember I was working in the office and we'd just have those crazy conversations. Like um, I'd just be sitting there watching film and that's what I'd do for half the day, going back and watching games so that I'd understand who's on the team. Uh, it helps to get familiarized with like the names and numbers. And uh, like, like I remember one day, it was probably the first day, second day, I remember running into Dre's office and saying, whoa, so who's this Mustafa Johnson guy? And he's, he's incredible. And then he'd like, tell me about Mustafa and be like, yeah, that's a, that's a good football player. And be like, yeah. Or, or even the, the first time, uh, RK and I even talked about the buffs when again, we'd realized that I was going to be covering the buffs, not the abs or the nuggets, which was another conversation that was being had. And we were in our old office and it was just like an afternoon. RK's in there, uh, Allie's in there. And I'm honestly, obviously, like, a little bit overwhelmed. Again, at the time, like, I couldn't have named the Pac-12 schools. I I mean, there's no way I would have known Utah, for sure. I've been trying to think, like, what I've gotten others. I, I would have been able to say uh, David Shaw is a coach in the Pac-12 just because he was uh, a candidate for the Broncos job before. But even that might have been a stretch to pull. Um so again, that is my starting point. And so I remember like the, the first time where it's like, okay, okay, tell me about the buffs. And he's like, okay, so LaVisca Chenault is incredible. And you know, me as an outsider, I I've, haven't really followed college football, but I know the narrative on CU football. You know, they're one of the worst programs in the Power Five. Not that I even really understood what the Power Five was or definitely couldn't tell you which conferences were in it. But uh he sat me down and just showed me the highlights from the CSU game. It was just every LaVisca touch from the CSU game. And then every LaVisca touch from the Nebraska game. And I was like, oh my goodness, no, he's for real. This isn't like a, a Homer hyping up some like good, but you know, not transcendent talent. Um, turns out Visca is a transcendent talent and you know going through all those things I've just had a chance to reflect over honestly like this whole quarantine period as we've all been kind of locked inside about my first year covering the buffs and what I have learned about what works and what doesn't you know the podcast and so many of you and this is really where I want to go with this so many of you have been listening for this whole year uh, which equates to 
based on some quick math, like at least 10,000 minutes um, of podcasting, which I could convert to hours, but the number 10,000 is just so nice and round and we're going to go with it. But again, just really appreciate all of you for listening, but you've all probably noticed the different phases of this podcast. You know, I, I really do think that there's like these six distinct patches, you know, starting with me coming in and, and half of the time just starting with, uh, you know, every point I make is, you know, from an outsider's perspective or for somebody who hasn't been following this for long. And, and it was kind of like a fun angle. And you guys were so great about accepting that approach, understanding that I'm not going to be able to go in there and, and know even, even, I mean, it took probably through that first game of the year, maybe even the second, to just have like the names, numbers, and hometowns done. Which is like again, when you're when you're a beat reporter, that's where you start. It's like you're covering a new team. You gotta learn the names, the numbers, and the hometowns. If you have that, then you can start up a conversation with any of them. Uh, but but it's just like little things like that that you have to learn. I mean, not that that was little, but. That combined with watching the games, you know, Nate Landman, I remember, <laughs> I remember in those early podcasts saying, you know, Nate isn't all that good in coverage. And then people would come back and say, well, he's the number one returning coverage linebacker in the Pac-12, according to Pro Football Focus. And I would be like, did I just miss? Have I just been watching these games wrong and, and seeing something that totally isn't true? And it turns out, you know, I was proven right. So there's what I hope is going to be my only flex. But again, it's coming from this outsider's approach, not saying, hey, here's what we know about Nate. It's, I just binge watched 11 games and here are my takeaways. Here are my pages and pages of notes. Um, and, and then from there, it shifted into a very lighthearted and fun podcast. And honestly, that's probably when I, I've had the most fun doing this show is, you know, all those road trip podcasts when it's the middle of the night in some hotel room in Oregon or in Utah or wherever and I'm kind of just saying nonsense and also talking football and you know we're reading responses how does everybody feel about the game the, the highs and the lows you know the, the podcast in the airport were so much fun um, and it's something that I, I will really miss doing this year and it's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about is how can we get that nice fun lighthearted vibe back when I'm not entirely stressed out from the travel and the covering the team and the uh, just having the stories all around me, you know, realizing on a plane, like talking about why Southwest sucks because there's no chance that some girl is going to be just randomly assigned to sit next to you. Uh, when you're locked inside, that's one of the things I've noticed is that things just change because I don't have as many fun things to say. And I don't mean for that to sound hard on myself. I just think that that was a very dis distinct phase of the podcast um, toward the middle end of the season. It, it really did get really fun. And from there, you know, all of a sudden it's shifting into basketball. I don't know anything about, about college basketball or how it works. You know, I could name like the four or five big coaches, but I wasn't a huge college basketball fan and I wasn't a huge FBS fan. You know, in terms of college football growing up, I'd watch probably one Montana Grizzlies game a year and then I'd watch um, 
or I'd go to about one of those games a year. And uh, beyond that, you know, I, I probably caught three or four FBS games, including like one of my friends having a national championship party every year because somebody's going to have one of those. You know, I just really wasn't all that involved. And I think that that's part of the reason I've enjoyed this experience so much is because I am coming into it totally fresh. You know, I've you, you hear all the stories about like how college sports are just like dirty and corrupt. And, you know, that that was kind of the only thing I really followed. You know, the North Carolina paper classes come out and you read about that. Um, you, you read about the NCAA uh, football game and the class action lawsuit. And th- those types of storylines were the things that brought me in when I really wasn't all that involved in college sports. And now to be inside it and to see those things happen, to, to follow Mel Tucker through his, I mean, I guess I missed the first four or five months, but yeah, it would have been about five months before I jumped onto the buffs. But then to follow like from fall camp all the way through him leaving and seeing all that and seeing how it impacts people, you're like, oh, wow, this is what people are talking about with college sports. This is kids being affected the way that they're affected and again just a experience that i'm so grateful for you know the transition into college basketball uh, which is what i tried to talk about a couple minutes ago um that was weird for me because i'm not a basketball guy either you know with football at the very least i i, I haven't missed a broncos game in my entire life i spend my sundays watching as much football as possible and as I was growing up, I spent my Saturday skiing. That's how my weekends work. Saturdays was skiing, and then Sundays was watching football. And then once I got to uh, high school, Saturdays was like typically during that time of year a speech and debate tournament, and then Sundays was uh, football. But still, I was watching a lot of football. And college football is different, but you know, you can turn it on and see what they're doing and see what's working and see what isn't working. I didn't have that um, with basketball. And I was lucky to have, you know, Adam Ares, uh, who covers the Nuggets, um, writing so many really smart things about basketball for DNVR at the time with a Nuggets team that I did follow. You know, I, I did watch a lot of Nuggets games, especially late in college. I really bought in. But... It wasn't necessarily that I knew a lot about basketball. It was just that I loved the personalities on the team. And and for me as a writer, that's where I come from. I, I, I write about people. Like, I think that that's the skill that I have. And that's another thing that's been really challenging during this quarantine is that you just don't have the same access to people. You know, I think I'm at my best when I just get 30 minutes alone, an hour alone to just sit down and talk with somebody and get to know them and understand them and then write about who they are and try to explain that. And those are the things I've really enjoyed, you know, uh, looking back, I've, I've tried to think about what have I written that I really liked and what have I written that I look back on and say, it's, it's important to, to include, but it isn't necessarily the, the premium content, I guess, that DNVR is supposed to be. And I've done a bunch of reflecting on that too. And I think back to, you know, talking to Sam Neuer about transitioning to safety and living with Mikhail Onu and having a chance to talk to each of them a couple of times about what exactly that process was like and having them tell the story of Sam, like 
running down the stairs and being like, hey, just got off the phone. Guess what? We're playing the same position, Mikhail. And and to hear not just the exact story as it happened, but like what what is that feeling for Mikhail, for Sam Neuer, and to try to write that? That is the stuff that I just love, and that's the type of stuff that's really hard to do during quarantine. Um, you know, I, we can move on from this. This is going longer than I expected. But the one story that I really remember like having written in my entire career that that has stuck with me is writing about uh, Andrew Harris, who was uh, a linebacker slash defensive end who played for Montana while I covered the team who killed himself. And I wrote the obituary for the student paper. And that meant, you know, I, I called his dad and talked to his dad for a couple hours and heard stories from his dad about, you know, he, he called Andrew every night uh, before, no, it was right after dinner before he gets into the free time at night. Um, you know, after football, after school, then he goes to dinner. And then at that same time, every night, his dad uh, called him. And the night that Andrew killed himself, his dad didn't call him. And, and you know, having his dad say would it have happened? Would he have been in just a little bit better place if I had called him that night? And maybe that was the low point. And maybe, and you know, being on the phone, having somebody explain those things to you. Um, you know, I, I remember his dad sending me a, a picture of a card that everybody who lived in his apartment building had signed for the family. And, you know, they'd all written little notes and there was um, one with a name that was really hard to decipher, um, who said, uh, you know, he was always kind to this old man. Um, and, and, you know, as a reporter, you, you see that and you're like, he's kind of this old man. What did he do with the old man? Like, what is going on here? Um, and so I, I figured out the name, went through the phone book, called everybody's family, couldn't get anybody to answer couldn't get a hold of him. And then I was talking to his mom again and I just kind of brought it up at the end of one of the phone calls with his mom saying, yeah, you know, I really appreciate this. Uh, everybody has been so good. There's only this one thing that I can't find and that's wh who this man is. And I can't remember his name right now. Um, but his mom said that when uh, they were moving all of Andrew's stuff out of his apartment after he died, um, that the... There, that there was a man who was walking into the building as they were carrying some of the stuff out who said, you know, Andrew was a wonderful kid and he always used to help me bring his groceries or help me bring my groceries in from uh, my car into my apartment because, you know, it's an old guy. And, and those are the little stories that when you spend so much time researching that you find and it, it's just tough. Um not having a whole bunch of access and I, this turned into like a weird thing about me talking about but but you know it, it's just the truth especially in college sports and it's one of the challenges that uh everybody that does what i do and what everybody at dmvr does struggles with during this time especially for me when i feel like that's my strength is getting that but 
I don't know. That this is going real long. The the point is, I have had so much fun covering the buffs this year, and uh, I really appreciate all of you who've been listening to all of these podcasts and subscribed and read all the stories and have been engaged and interactive. Um, and there are there are so many of you. I, I really do appreciate you because DMVR buffs would not be possible without you. You know, there's a reason that BSN was all right not having buffs coverage for a while. And that's that the community isn't as big as uh, the 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 Broncos or the Avs or e even the Nuggets, you know. Uh, but having seen what everybody else has done, specifically seeing what the Nuggets have done to, to build that community, to, to give Nuggets fans a place to really dig in, to really have fun being a fan... Um, you know, I'm just I'm just so excited for what DMVR Buffs is going to turn into. Um, hopefully, there's football, um, but because you know, I'm I finally know what I'm talking about, and I'm not spending time researching things that reporters typically already know. And you know, DMVR has grown. We've hired two new staff members and support staff members, not just reporters, during this quarantine, who make it so much easier for me to do more things than just have a podcast and have written content and uh i'm i'm really excited about where dmvr buffs is going um and i really appreciate all of you who have either been around with us for this whole year or have joined in and have stayed or for those of you who may not know what i'm talking about at all when i bring up like the late night podcast and you know going to the beach for like the fifth podcast because i was in la for pac-12 media day and i had no idea what to do or where to go to who who thinks huh i need a place to record a podcast i can't check into my hotel room yet how about we go to the beach i still have like sand stuck in places in my computer yeah but again for those of you who remember that just appreciate you all so much and uh i'm, I'm glad that i had an excuse to tell you guys all how much you do mean to me and to everybody at DMVR and how excited I am to uh, really start building. Like, I feel like we're finally past this learning process and dear God, please let there be football this year. I, <laughs> I just want it so bad. Um, no matter what, we've got some fun stuff coming and uh, appreciate you all. Breckenridge Brewery is an incredible company that does incredible work, which is making beer for all of us to drink. Uh, really no better thing that a person can do for a society, at least in my opinion. Every beer they make is incredible. And uh, today I want to tell you about one that I have not been spending enough time talking about on this podcast, but I'm going through a phase. The uh, Mountain Beach has been my go-to at the DMVR bar. Well, I was there yesterday and I had a couple. I was there uh, for two Rockies games this weekend, and I had a few the first time, and then uh, a couple the next time, trying to remember. But uh, that has been my go-to. Actually, even even after the golf match, we went in there, and I had um, more than a few. That was more than a few that night. Um, those are those are my beer terms. A couple, a few, and more than a few. Um, but it is so good. It's a sour. And I, and I think that people have some takes on sours. Again, I'm not a beer guy. You know, I, I, I uh, can't really tell you what the difference between IPA and a Kolsch 
and a amber ale and uh oh a porter is another one i can name and oh a sour sure that those those are probably all the beers i can name i can't tell you what the difference is but because i've tried them all from breckenridge i can kind of understand even if i can't put into words what the difference is um one thing i have heard though and this is how we got into this little tangent is that the sour beer is like controversial or something like that I don't know. I stand on the very pro side of the sour, um, especially the Mountain Beach, which is just like drinking something. Wow, I can't come up with anything like a cold sour candy. I don't really know. The point is, it's a great beer. It's underrated. You all should go to the DMVR bar and check that out. Um, if you're comfortable leaving your house, and not all of you, but those of you who are comfortable and are willing to socially distance and wear a mask and all that kind of stuff should go in there and drink some of that beer because it is a great one. Uh, you can also find it at Davidson's. You can find it at uh, all sorts of grocery stores and gas stations and other liquor stores and other bars as well. Um, if you want to know exactly where you can find it, you can go to Breckenridge Brewery's website, go to the beer locator, and... Uh, it'll tell you where you can get it exactly and all the other beers okay so some news uh coming in just now as i'm recording the podcast trevor woods a safety from katie texas just committed to colorado uh, looks like he had an offer from Arizona. This is according to the 24-7 sports website, which I'm using, and so I'll give him a shout-out. Um, that looks to be about the only... He has 21 offers. Oh, no, Pittsburgh's Power 5. Uh, New Mexico isn't... Rice is not... Um, this is a good... T- Pittsburgh is Power 5, right? Now that I think about it, it might not be. What conference is Pittsburgh in? See, and that's the thing. That's the other thing. You know, I'm, I'm moving on from this whole, like, first segment emotional cutesy stuff now. But I do want to say that just because there are very few holes in my buffs knowledge at this point, there are some major gaps. And I'm still going to say some dumb things. And I appreciate you when you correct me, um, especially in a positive way. So, uh, yeah. The point is, though... This Trevor Woods guy, 6'1", 190, coming out of Katy, Texas, a 2021 safety. He's a three-star graded at 85, according to 24-7 Sports. That makes him the 88th ranked safety in the country. But according to the composite rating, he's unranked. That means ESPN or Rivals or somebody does not uh, have him even included in their rankings, which is too bad. Um... I would guess it's ESPN, though, just because of their reputation. But, uh, yeah, so maybe not the flashiest signing, considering he isn't even ranked by all of them. But then you turn on the tape, and my goodness, is this a dominant football player. You see him jumping routes. You see him knocking the ball out. You see him getting into the backfield and making plays. This looks like a star, and I don't mean, well, actually, no, he could he could be like a star football player in terms of like the typical sense of the word star, but for all of us football nerds on this podcast, star is a hybrid linebacker safety position slash almost a little bit cornerback that the buffs use to basically play as a slot corner. That is what this man is. Just listen, listen to these stats. So in 2019, this is just one season. This is his junior season 
He had 156 tackles. Think about that. Now, I don't know how many games high school football players play, but I would guess it's like, what, 8, 10? Maybe in the playoffs you can get up to like 12. But even, even if he's playing 12 games, what's 156 divided by 12? Luckily, I have a great phone that gets to this calculator. 13 tackles per game. That's pretty crazy. And that's if he played 12 games last year. Now, on top of that, 17 were tackles for loss. Whew. You remember, I mean, for perspective, I'm pretty sure Terrence Lang had like, I think he had four tackles for loss and four sacks last year. Again, different position. That's the stat that I have in my head, though. And uh, also, he's playing against college athletes. But feel like I need to put these numbers in just a little bit of perspective. So, Trevor Woods, 156 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, eight sacks. Again, this man plays safety, four passes broken up, five forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Also, he intercepted four passes. All four of those interceptions turned into touchdowns. He returned all four of his interceptions, four touchdowns. I am really hyped about this guy. I uh, I honestly had not heard about him before he committed. Um, and actually before our awesome social media director said, hey, look at this. And I was like, oh boy, I'm on a podcast. Um, but looking at these stats, watching while I'm talking this highlight video, I am hyped. You know, I, I almost wonder if he could be the type of guy who could fill out a little bit more. And I don't think you need to. I think you want him at playing star. Yeah, because, yeah, I think you want him playing star. There's there's the chance that you, like, beef him up and he becomes, I guess, like, you move him in for your dime packages to that money position, that inside linebacker position. Um, and maybe, I, I don't, he'd really have to put on some weight to play as a true linebacker and you might be putting him in a box a little bit more than you want to. Um this is exciting, though. Um, if you guys haven't yet, I recommend Googling Trevor Woods and watching everything you can because he is exciting, to say the very least. Um, and what's that? That's now nine commitments that the Buffs have uh, for this 2021 class. That's filling up pretty quick. Probably seven spots left. I guess they might be able to go a little bit bigger than that. Um, but yeah, filling up, uh, we're going to get to some basketball talk in a second, but first I want to tell you about our great friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook because sports are back and there are so many fun things going on with baseball into the swing and already kind of falling apart, but Hey, it's the Marlins falling apart, which is what we all would have expected, right? Like if one team is going to struggle to keep their players healthy and that'd be the reason the games are getting canceled, all that kind of stuff, you would expect for it to be the Marlins. I don't know what MLB is going to do about that or how bad it's going to be, but the big thing right now is that you can bet on the baseball games. And tonight, I think at 7.30, the Rockies play the Oakland A's. The Rockies, by the way, tied for the division lead in the NL West with only 57 games to go. So that's really exciting. 
I am totally bought in on the Rockies until they prove me wrong, as they often do. Um, I'm ready to just ride this for now, though. I'm not I'm not one of those like pessimistic sports fans. I always expect the best. We also have the NHL coming back next week. The Avs are among the favorites to win the whole thing. There are a lot of people picking them to win the whole thing, um, including me. But again, I also have a parlay that is the Rockies, Nuggets, and Avs all winning titles to turn $3 into 98 grand. So I'm a little bit biased for all these teams. The Nuggets are incredibly fun. MPJ played his first five-on-five basketball yesterday. He had not played five-on-five since the season was canceled, like right after that game where the Nuggets played the Spurs back in March. He dropped 19 points, shot 60% from the field, something like that. Bunch of rebounds, some blocks, all sorts of the things that you want to see. Bull Bull is the unicorn of unicorns, which is saying something. He just doesn't miss. The Nuggets are running like double pin downs that turn into open three-point shots for him. And he's seven foot two. He is just wonderful to watch. And I don't know how much we're going to actually see him once the season picks up again. The Nuggets guys were saying yesterday they think we aren't going to see him again. Which is too bad. But for now... He's fun to think about, and there are a bunch of really fun players in front of him. And you can bet on all of it, which is the point of all of this. Um, I've just been putting a bunch of money on all these Nuggets games and all of the Rockies games and being a true homer. That's how I enjoy betting. Some of you may enjoy it in other ways. I'm not here to judge. But if you want to join us in betting through the top-rated sportsbook app, in America and the official betting partner of DNVR, which is DraftKings Sportsbook, then you can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code DNVR when you sign up because for a limited time, all new users can get a special odds boost to bet $20 to win $100 on a team of your choosing. That's code DNVR. Oh, and that's all users. That doesn't even say all new users. I'm just so used to the old thing we read. So for a limited time, all users, which was in caps, all caps, so that's my fault, can get a special odds boost to bet $20 to win $100 on a team of your choosing. That's code DNVR and boost your odds to $20 to win $100 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. And uh, now that we're 35 minutes into this podcast, we're getting into the important stuff, which is John Rothstein's bad take. So, uh, essentially, John Rothstein, who is, you know, he's like a sideline reporter for CBS and uh, does like all the college basketball stuff. And he's one of the big guys on college basketball Twitter I know a lot of people really like him. I I don't know. Again, I think it's because I'm new to college basketball and the way he just like says these weird things maybe doesn't resonate with me the same way that he can say like, oh, marches, whatever. He has like these catchphrases he throws around and to me like that hasn't, he hasn't been, I haven't seen him do it long enough for it to be like, oh, it's a thing. I, I like that he does that. Um, it's kind of like how like Dick Vitale says like whenever somebody does anything on a basketball court he's like 
he says no way and it's like no he didn't say no way he blocked a shot They're like he says not today and it's like no he jumped and made a three-pointer and which is another just like little weird quirky thing john rothstein has like his his little tweets where it's like college you can never predict college basketball but I, I don't even know what they are point is i'm not a huge john rothstein guy to start with and i am happy that i have a reason to be anti-rothstein which he gave us this reason, I believe, well, I guess he published it July 24th, but there have been some edits, and now we're here on July 28th, and uh, essentially, he has been going through and power ranking all of the, I believe, Power 5 conferences, no, I think all conferences, and this week, it's the Pac-12 um, that he went through and ranked the teams, and essentially, the way it worked was, um, for example, number one, UCLA, projected starting lineup, guard Tiger Campbell, guard Chris Smith, forward Johnny Juzang, uh, forward Jamie Jacques, center Jalen Hill, um, then key losses, and there are two guys, and then key newcomers, and there are three guys, sit-out transfers, none, projected bench, and then it's like seven guys, and then 2020 NBA watch, Chris Smith will go through uh, draft process, the skinny, and that's just like one sentence of analysis. Mick Cronin's squad will be too deep at every position if Chris Smith returns to school. Um, and that's what he says about every team. So it's not a super in-depth. It's basically just like the lineups and the changes. And uh, also, I mean, the 2020 NBA watch because you have to declare for the NBA draft on, or, or I guess what? You have to undeclare from the NBA draft by August 3rd, which is my grandmother's birthday. And... If you don't, then you aren't eligible to play college basketball again. So that's where the NCAA set that cutoff cutoff line. Um, notably, McKinley Wright is still going through the draft process. Definitely expected to uh, say no and to come back to see you, though. It would be a pretty massive surprise if he didn't. Um, so yeah, that's basically what this article was. And here's why we're mad. Because number one was UCLA. Because number two was Stanford. Because number three was Arizona State, then number four was Oregon, uh, then number five was Arizona, and then number six was USC, and then number seven was Colorado, the best team in the Pac-12. So, um, the, the, the skinny, by the way, on Colorado was Tad Boyle will have an NCAA tournament contender as long as Wright returns for a senior season. It's like, eh, they're better than that. They're so much better. You know... We haven't really jumped into college basketball yet, mostly because uh, it's a long ways away and the world is ending. But UCLA number one, that makes a lot of sense. It definitely makes a lot of sense. Tiger Campbell is a great guard. Chris Smith is a great guard. Um, from then on, they have some talent. But you're looking at the guards and that's what's really making you excited. If Chris Smith leaves to go to the NBA, then maybe they aren't the number one team. And even even if he does stay, I think you could make a really great case that Colorado still is the number one team in the Pac-12. Um, with Stanford, Tyrell Terry, another really good guard. Uh, Oscar De Silva, um, who we remember well. You know, he's the guy that Evan Batty ran into and the had like the whole head bleeding thing and everybody held hands and it was like a really cool moment that was one of the few times the buffs got national attention last year which is kind of crazy but uh he is back for i believe his senior season um his little brother tristan da silva by the way going to be a buff next year that's exciting 
They also added Zaire Williams, who is a forward and was like really hyped up. He's a five-star prospect, and he will be a contributor right away and likely will be going to the draft after this season because he's that kind of talent. Again, you know, Stanford, you want to put him ahead of Colorado? Sure. But there is an argument to be made that Colorado will be better. Um, Arizona State, bringing back Remy Martin, um, assuming he doesn't go to the draft, bringing back Alonzo Verge, losing Romello White. You know, this is where you start to say, okay, call it a 50-50 Arizona State or CU, in my opinion. Um, that's the last team I think you can really make a strong argument for, for, for being better than the Buffs um, before we see them on the court. Um, from there, you go to uh, number four, Oregon. Loses Peyton Pritchard. That is a very big loss. He has been their entire identity. He has run everything for that team for years now, and their identity is just gone. Meanwhile, I guess they they were the the Pac-12 regular season champs last year. I just I don't know. I I I, I don't know. Don't like it though. I can say I definitely don't like it. Um number 5 and this is where it's just total head scratchers. Um Arizona. Um they lose Nico Mannion. They lose Zeke Nyaji. They lose one, two, three, four, five other guys. That's seven players. And <laughs> and what is the skinny here? Nevada transfer Jordan Brown should emerge as one of the top front court players in the Pac-12. Well, you know who already has one of those? Evan Batty with Colorado is already one of the top front court players in the Pac-12, that's not projection at all, and that isn't even the thing that you would say about the Buffs if you're trying to explain, like, what you need to know about him. Evan Batty, for as much as we all love Evan Batty, you know, you go, McKinley Wright, potential best guard in college basketball this season. Then maybe you jump to Evan Batty, maybe you talk about Deshaun Schwartz finally having the chance to come into his own, to be that true scorer, um... From the wing, you have a bunch of options. <sighs> then you get to USC, which, you know, in USC's defense, finished ahead of Colorado last year. That wouldn't have been the case if Colorado hadn't totally imploded, which I don't think will happen again this year. I think that this team is in a very healthy space. Um, not talking about USC, talking about Colorado. What is the skinny here? The Trojans are solid at point guard and up front, but who makes shots? Huh, I don't know, because they did lose... A whole bunch of their shot makers. I guess that still makes them better to Colorado. The skinny is, Tad Boyle will have an NCAA tournament contender as long as Wright returns for a senior season. Frustrates me. Frustrates me. Really frustrates me. Um, and uh, you know what? I, I'm not much of a prediction guy or like, put it in ink. Come back to this. But here's like my first one ever. And that is, Colorado will not finish seventh in the Pac-12 this year. It just won't happen. They are a top five finisher and a top three team then um, I make that distinction because sometimes weird things happen there aren't enough weird things that could happen um, assuming McKinley Wright doesn't get told he's going to be drafted and decide to go to the NBA um, to finish seventh you know it's that's just not 
happening. Uh, I, I threw out a tweet this morning, though, from the Buffs account. Basically said, what do you think? We'll read some answers. Got a few answers. Let's start with 303 Sports. Seems like a fair but not fully developed or researched opinion. From what I've heard, Bartholomew will play a huge role this year. One of, if not the biggest, struggles since Kin has been around is those minutes he is out. If Keyshawn is as good as I've heard, look out. Totally agree. And I can tell you that he is that good. I've watched those practices. I have seen what he can do. Uh, Then I've said, hey, maybe I'm not the the basketball expert here. Let's ask Kin what he thinks. And Kin says, yeah, he should have the ball in his hands so that I can work off ball. Not all the time, but sometimes. And the fact that Kin is willing to take the ball out of his hands to give it to this guy, that means that he's in good shape. And, you know, talking to Kin and Tad Boyle and Keyshawn, you know what they will all say is that he could have played last year. He would have contributed offensively last year. The question was just, how much does he contribute on defense? And he was a little bit undersized, needed to work on the position a little bit to overcome that. The Buffs' zone defense is, you know, it's one that needs to be run properly for it to work. Did I just call it a zone defense? I think I just did. Ugh, gross. Um, See, that's the type of slip-up that still is happening. But, uh... Uh, let's, well, we can move on to the next one and then keep talking about Keyshawn Bartholomew because Andrew Kret said yesterday he had Dom Collier as a bench player. I tweeted at him and looks like he changed it. Also in his last update, he didn't mention Keyshawn Bartholomew at all. He thinks Daniels will start over Parquet. Needless to say, his knowledge of the buffs is low. Yep. I mean, it's possible if Maddox Daniels goes out there in the practices and is draining everything, then he could be a nice fit. If he isn't, then he is definitely behind Parquet, and as it stands right now, he's behind Parquet in the pecking order. I think that Dominique Clifford and, honestly, Keyshawn are just as much in that conversation to be starting as uh, Maddox Daniels. Um, So frustrating. And I'd say Dominique Clifford is maybe even ahead of Parquet in terms of their chances of starting. Um, Michael Harrison... Our guy says, let the nation continue to sleep on this squad. I like this group last year when they played with a chip on their shoulder. I think that's how you have to approach it. And again, as we've we've made very clear in this podcast, I've only been following the bus for one year. But uh, this does seem to be like a, a trend here is that nobody really cares about CU nationally. Um, even when they are doing what CU did last year, there wasn't nearly enough hype. You know, you remember following those rankings and thinking, yeah, they could have been bumped up a little bit. Um, and I think that this year they really can pull it all together. A senior point guard, I love that. And I think that this is different than how we were saying senior quarterback last year with Buffs football because uh, McKinley Wright, it's not to say anything bad about Steven Montez, but he just has some super plus qualities about him. Um, things that, if, if you want to call like leadership a spectrum, he is off that spectrum competitiveness he is off that spectrum almost in a phil Lindsay type of way at least with the competitiveness the toughness i think that they uh, are definitely different personalities and so maybe their leadership traits show through a little bit differently but i think that that is the kind of comp and you see what happens and i i didn't follow cefo lufau all that closely and i, I the way people talk about cefo though I could see how um, you could say something similar about those. 
And that's the type of mentality that your leaders need to have for you to be a very successful football team or, or basketball team. And not that I was thinking too much about Steven, but um, that's going to do it. If you guys have any thoughts on anything, oh, you know what? I, I'm backed up on comments. We're going to get to the comments tomorrow. We will be getting to all of the comments tomorrow. Um, nothing else planned as of right now. Oh, I wonder, there might be a Buffs media call. If, if there is a media call, which it has not been announced yet, um, typically those have been on Wednesdays recently. No, it looks like no email yet. But if there is a media call, then obviously we'll do the thing we do on media call days and then push the questions to Thursday. Either way, if you have any comments or questions or thoughts or whatever, as always, you can leave them in the post for today's show at thednvr.com. And we'll talk about all of that when we talk about that. All right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate all of you guys. I will be back tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.
just how to act. And when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag.